Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999. I'm your host, Phil Iskov. And with us today is past and future guest, uh, Carrie Gologly. Uh, she was on for Freaks and Geeks. You were on for Freaks and Geeks, no, right? I, no, no, I ended up not being able to that's be on right. it. You didn't come on for that. You came on for October Sky. I don't yes, know why I thought right. you were on for Freaks and Geeks. Anyway, yeah. um, she is a SVP of programming at AMC and uh, also a Felicity fan. Um, so we're going to talk about episode 119 today. Uh, the episode is called Documentary. Uh, and there's actually a future documentary episode in season two, I believe, as well. And then they do one in season three. Um, but I kind of wanted to start with sort of how you came to Felicity. You know, were you watching it in 99? Was it a, a show for you back then? And what you liked about it back then? I did watch it in 99. I was 16. So I was a junior in high school, which is like, prime prime candidate for sure this content um i watched the i think this is true of a lot of the wb shows or or just anything that was on i watched it until i graduated college right and then and i said not graduate college graduated high school and then when i went to college i didn't watch any tv because there was no tivo or like, like there was <laughs> right. no tvr or whatever so like right. I, so there's like these holes in my TV viewing because I didn't have cable and I didn't, I was never home to watch television in college. So it's like, I just didn't watch anything until they started releasing DVDs of things. And then I, then I like caught up on certain shows, but yeah, I watched it when it was first on and I loved it. And I think I was, I think, you know, I rep Dawson's Creek pretty hard. That's like of all those shows, that's my number one 
We can't wait sure. to have you on for Dawson's yeah. when we get to that. I'm so ready for it. I'm so ready. Like that one, I've like, I've done the research in a big way. Like, I've like, I feel like a true scholar of the first sure. three, of the first three seasons of Dawson's Creek. Um, but uh, yeah, I really loved it. I, I did love the first season of Felicity. I think it kind of, it goes a little bit off the rails in the later seasons. Isn't there time travel in the final season? Yeah. There is. They really it, ran out of road. <laughs> like, they, yeah, it, it's a whole, yeah. It was, it's partially their fault and also because uh, Warner Brothers uh, told them to do 15 episodes and then they were like, actually, can you give us five more after they had ended the series? So that's why they did this like addendum time travel bullshit. But anyway. That's so funny. Um, yeah, I think I, I, this for me really filled the void of my so-called life in some ways. I think there's a lot of similarities to the lead, lots of voiceover. It's she's introspective. She's sort of like is per- per- perplexing to the men she has relationships with. And they're sort of like obsessed and repulsed with her behavior. <laughs> like, and, and, and it's also like weirdly, I think this, the score is like similar. I think this, the score on, on Felicity and the score of, it's gotta be, is it the same guy? Like, it's just the, this sort of like, it might, it might be, it's like classical guitar, like, <laughs> and it's you know, very emo. Yeah. Yeah. Lots yeah. of guitar and like, maybe like xylophone or like something. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So I really liked it. And we talked about this previously that she has curly hair and I have curly hair. And so I was into that curly hair romantic. And then she cut it off, which was sacrilegious. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is, is she's also so thin, like she's so gorgeous that she could look good in anything. I feel like I liked the short hair was, I remember that. Once the short hair grew out a little bit, I was fine with it. But the initial is really short. It's like Chia Pet. Yeah, it's it does look weird. She looks like she has horns almost, like the way that it's like. <laughs> yeah, they do does, this. Uh, yeah, it doesn't have like a enough enough hair for a full loop, so yeah. it's like it just becomes like this like weird horn. Yeah, yeah that's uh, true. but I actually like. I feel like this is a clear memory I have. So like Carrie Russell, when it was like in 1999, when she would go to like an event, there was like a trend of wearing like a big skirt that would be like a ball gown skirt but mm-hmm. with like a shirt separate uh-huh. like and uh-huh. so it would be like that was like a trend at that time and i went to my junior year homecoming in that outfit <laughs> like where i went and got like a long black skirt that was like puffy like taffeta like from like laura ashley or some shit and then i wore it with a sweater just doing something like alluding to something like carrie russell had worn and i'm sure the parents like at the when they did the picture taking were like what the what what is she wearing? <laughs> like everyone else is in like just a regular dress and I was like uh-huh. in this thing like I'm going to the Oscars or something. <laughs> I respect it. I think it's great. Yeah. Uh it was it's it, it's interesting weird. how this show how it hit certain people at certain times. I mean, I, I I'm a little bit older than you, so for me it was my first year of university. Hmm. So I I watched the show weirdly kind of parallel to my college experience in a weird mm-hmm. way. I tapped out of it because similar to yourself, when I moved out uh, of my parents' house in my second year of college, um, I didn't have a way to record stuff really. And I kind of tapped out a TV in a weird way, but that first year of Felicity was my first year of college and it was not my college experience. <laughs> Uh, you know, I was, I was living at home. I was in film school. Like it was just a very different thing, but I imagine that 
I mean, at least for me, it's weirdly aspirational. It makes me feel like I missed out on that type of college experience. Did you feel like it paralleled yours in any way? Did you feel well, like? Well, it's funny. I listened to Alex Amin's uh, episode, uh-huh. yeah. and, which was great. She's got such a great radio voice. Um, <laughs> uh, but And I remember her talking about the dorm size. Yes. Uh, and I also did not understand what the real dorm sizes were. And But the other show that really just kind of messed up my expectations for dorm size was uh, Saved by the Bell, the college years. Okay. Um, I didn't watch that, but okay. Uh, I mean, like, you're really missing out. I mean, <laughs> was that on in 99? Like, get that. Put that I don't know, maybe. <laughs> it's, it's really just, like, it's bizarre. Um, but uh, But they have, like, it's weirdly, like, they have the boys' rooms and the girls' rooms, and then there's, like, the center area with, like, a kitchen and a couch, so it feels like an apartment, kind of. Oh, I and, see. And they go... The, the exterior like opening titles are shot at USC and that's where okay. I went to college. So I was like, that's what my dorms are going to be like. And I was like, no, they're not. They're just, <laughs> just a fucking room, you know, like, and like I, I was, I noticed in this episode that uh, I, I noticed watching it just now that uh, Noel has a double bed and I yeah. was like, what? He has like a, <laughs> yeah. like a two person bed. Like, yeah. So that's, that's incredible. It's a lot of it's, power. So did, uh, forgive me, I didn't, you know, obviously have the same uh, college experience as you, but like, I guess the cafeteria thing, is that a thing? Like you, you just sort of, it's a communal kitchen Yeah, space, there's a, ca- there's space? like a, I mean, my college had, USC had a lot of, diff- had a cafeteria connected to our dorm building. And, but there was like, it's a big, it's like a 26,000 okay. person campus. So there's like five different. Or, or like five different main places you can eat. And it's like different. There's certain ones that feel like a cafeteria. And then there's ones that feel like a restaurant. And then there's ones that are like, it's like actually a Carl's Jr. Or like a Wolfgang Puck pizza or whatever, or a Jamba Juice. And so if you, depending on like what kind of meal plan you have, you can like eat at any of those places or not. And if you're like rich, you have the meal plan where you can eat anywhere. But if you're like me or whatever, you just can only eat. At, <laughs> basically, you can when your meal plan only is like you can only go to the cafeteria. I see what you're saying. Yes, okay. okay. I, 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 I don't. I know you weren't asking me to go into that much detail. No, I, I, I actually was plan. weirdly because like it, it's it's weird how the show. It's it's funny because you the second you brought up kitchen, I was like, oh right, they don't have a kitchen in their dorm rooms. So there has to be, and then the idea of a cafeteria is so high school to me that it kind of makes my brain melt a little bit that there's also a cafeteria where they're making food for these kids. It's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was, yeah, there was a cafeteria, but it was like bad. I mean, the food was bad, except there's like, you kind of like realize where the good food is and when it is. And then you try to go find it at that time. Like a cafeteria has like on Fridays has the good blah, blah, blah. And then you would go there. Um, I see what you're saying. Okay. I yeah. mean, I, I think that one thing that I always remember everybody, everybody talking about when I was watching Felicity when it was on was how unrealistic the living spaces were in general. Like that loft is absurd. I mean, Sean's yeah. loft is, that doesn't exist, right? I yeah. mean, if it does, it's a bazillion dollars. Also, like, what is Sean's deal? Like, why is he friends with general? 19? <laughs> Only. Exclusively 19-year-olds. Yeah. Sean's character, and, and, and this is actually a good way for us to talk about this because he's, he's sort of the linchpin of this episode in a weird way. And, and Greg Grunberg, who's been very open about the fact that, you know, he got the role because he's good friends with J.J. Oh. Abrams and Matt Reeves, does sort of feel like 
a little bit of the black sheep on the show because he's decidedly older than everybody else, even though everyone seems older than they are supposed to be playing. But that's that's kind of neither here nor there. Um, but his character is sort of uh, tertiary for for a good chunk of the first season, and then he really does become a significant cast member of the show. He starts to date Megan in season three, but um, this episode in particular, he's the glue it, it, from a plot perspective of this documentary documentary component. Um, I'm just going to give a, a brief synopsis for the people that haven't seen it, but Nolan Felicity are driven to distraction when Sean played by Greg Grunberg seeking a selling angle for his documentary latches onto their shattered relationship and pesters them to discuss their feelings on camera. Ben gets uh, the gambling bug. Uh, Noel gets hypnotized. Felicity and McGrath clash again. Julie talks about relationships. Fistfights fly between Lynn and Ben and Sean's capturing all of this in his documentary. Uh, the episode aired on May 4th, 1999. It was written by J.J. Abrams and directed by Stan Salva. Um, so the, I, I don't know if you read up on the episode, but the reason that they did this documentary was for budgetary reasons, which is that they were way over budget. So they found a way to make the episode cheaper by shooting it on video, which is really funny. They do it a couple more times as well. I imagine for similar reasons, Um, but it worked for me. I don't, how did it, how did it feel to you from a general perspective? I think I liked getting uh, one-on-one interviews with characters that didn't, don't normally get that kind of uh, first person perspective, like especially the curly haired guy that's also in can't hardly wait. What's his guy guy. Guy? Is that the same guy? (laughs) Oh no. no. Um, uh, That's I, I, well, but so he, I recognize him obviously from can't hardly wait, but I, I really like when he talks about how he was like, how he thinks that he would probably like, get a lot of girls when he's 30 i was like that's real i was like it's the real thing it's real real i was like he's so lucky that he has that perspective right now so many people take so long to learn that and i 100 so percent agree he's yep. gonna dominate when he's 30 and of course he's trying to sell conan o'brien tickets i know i know and that reminded me actually like in in uh 2000 like i went I got tickets. My mom got them for me for my 18th birthday. We went to New York and saw The Daily Show. Amazing. I was like really into it. So that sure. reminded me of that. Um, but yeah, I was thinking about like which character I relate to the most on the show. And like that guy is like probably the kid. The, what, based on what he said in this episode, I was like, that's the kind of thing I would say about myself when I was like 18 years old. Um, it's yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a really good episode, I think, for a bunch of reasons. Um the the talking head thing, as we've seen ad nauseum now in a in a post office world, but it's such a great device. I mean, it's it's an opportunity to be able to have the characters literally tell you how they feel. Um, so, you know, subtext be damned in a situation like that, which can be helpful and also you know maybe not so much. Uh, but it's it's a really fun device, especially in this episode, especially at this point in the season where you know Felicity and Noel are on the rocks because of him almost getting back with Jen Garner and her sleeping with Eli, the the artist and uh, their relationship is obviously on, on, on shaky ground. So to have Sean coming in there, poking and prodding at everybody about this relationship while also being a turning point in Ben's feelings for Felicity, it's just a really smart way to feed the love triangle within mm-hmm. the, within this, at this sort of, as this uh, season is kind of cresting. 
Um, so I really appreciated that. It also made me think of Lelena's documentary from Reality Bites. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it's very, it is similar. It just, but it also like, it's just, it just puts even a sharper relief on the fact that like just the side characters have nothing else to talk about other than Felicity and Will and It's like, so Greg's like, yeah, this is about college. And he's like, so Elena, what do you think about Felicity? And she's like, am I a, a person? <laughs> yeah. Like, do I have the story? She's like, no. there's a whole episode about me and my dad. Did you yeah. not see the Thanksgiving? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I I like that stuff, and it yeah, it does remind me of Reality Bites. Was Reality Bites the first movie to do that sort of like I'm going to make a no a movie about my life? I well, this is I was actually going to pose this question to you because uh, as you know, I grew up in Toronto, so I didn't have MTV. MTV feels you had like much music. I had much music indeed, <laughs> and then and then much more music. Oh no! Yeah, um, <laughs> but. So MTV feels like it opened the doors to the sort of um, quarter life crisis kind of emo documentary, like the real world, this idea of like letting cameras into your life. Am I making that up? Does that feel right to you? Well, I think, I mean, the real world is such a proto, like, that's like the, I mean, that is the first reality show it feels like. And it was the only one for so long, it felt like. Nothing right. really caught on. And that was like, I, w- I would religiously watch Real World. I wanted to apply for road <laughs> rules, like really badly. I was like, wanted to travel and I was like, road rules. And I'm like, so thankful that it started to get lame before I was like able to audition. <laughs> also, I have to tell you, Lance applied for London Real World. Like, he applied <laughs> really? <for> yeah. <laughs> Oh and he was God. like, he was, I was like, oh, you would have taken the spot of the like regular guy. And he was like, what do you mean? <laughs> so, well, I guess my question now is what about it do you think, like, why did you want to be on it? What about it was so sort of, because I, I feel like this does parallel what's going on in this episode. So I'm, I'm curious. Well, I, I mean, I wanted to be on it. I think road rules, I like wanted to travel. I think that also like, it just seems like a, and that's kind of what college is similarly as like you get into this college is like one big field trip it's like you're away from like your normal life so it's like more of an opportunity for like anything can happen sure and you can and and more specifically you can like meet somebody and like fall in love and whatever so i think that that's like why does anybody do anything other than to be loved (laughs) love uh wow (laughs) i mean i guess i guess that's true i mean so i'm i'm i my roommate has been making me watch a uh, 90 day fiance. <laughs> to su- okay. Thank you. Uh, and I've only watched a handful of these episodes, but I, I bring this up because I desperately want to understand why anybody would want a camera pointed at them while going through this type of stuff. It, to me, it's just not only is it deeply private, it's also just, it, it's, it's really uncomfortable. Like th- the real world, I sort of get because that, that was a little bit of like, the, the age that these people are at, like they're, they're looking for, I don't know, attention or whatever the case might be. Whereas, you know, 90 day fiance is, is a whole other animal, but I do think that MTV just sort of, they changed the game in terms of what a documentary was a little bit. Um, and reality bites sort of takes that and runs with it within that, the conscious of that movie. And then this, this episode in particular sort of, takes it and puts its own spin on it. Um, it's a really clever way to save money. Uh, I, I appreciated the sort of the fun of it. Um, 
I also think that it showed sides of the characters that we hadn't seen before. I don't really know why Julie takes it as an opportunity to start talking shit about people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's foreshadowing for the later episodes. It's a little... Well, yes. Well, yes. because, yeah, are there, are there spoilers um, here? Are we allowed to say spoilers? Go, 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 please. No, 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 oh, no. no. Talk, I was talk, just going to say because please. Julie ultimately later, like, sells Felicity down the river uh, once yeah. she finds out that Felicity and Ben have kissed or whatever, and then she tells Noel. Correct. Right. It, it does. It, so here, here's a question for you, because Julie's character never seems to fully gel with the show, I, I think. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't feel that as a casting thing. I don't think it's that Amy Jo Johnson isn't a good actress because I think she's quite good on the show. It's that the writers just never really knew what to do with her. She she starts as sort of an agent of chaos in the relationship between Felicity and Ben, and she continues to be that. But that she's also supposed to be her friend, and then it, it just it never really feels like it gels. I don't know how you felt about it. Well, I think I agree. I mean, I think that is sort of the larger problem of like they don't know what to do with any of the characters if they're not right. in the love triangle. Uh, and even Julie, like who's sort of tangentially in it, she, they still couldn't even do anything with her or even Ben. It's like, I was looking at some of when you were, we were trying to pick which episode I was going to do. I looked at some of the Wikipedias to like, remember which episode was which. Mm -hmm. And it was like Felicity and Noel, blah, blah, blah. And the whole thing and drama and blah, blah. And then it was like, and Ben joins the swim team. And I was like, (laughs) poor Ben. (laughs) I was like, and now he's got a gambling problem. It's like, but. And then he's like, something's going on at home. And it's like that we don't know what that is. And like, I I don't know. I think that she, I think the real problem is Felicity <laughs> seems incapable of like having female friendships. Like, 100%. It's, it's like, like yeah, totally. I mean, Elena, like, I think that that if they didn't have the similar like need to be good at school, like, mm-hmm. I don't think that they would be close friends, like, or it doesn't feel like they'd be real friends. Yeah. And maybe it's like, it, that it is it is a little bit weird when you think about it like they, they just seemed they couldn't figure out a way for this character to have a female friendship like which is totally. so strange because that normally would be such a big part of any female driven show is the friends that she has so i think that's that's maybe felicity's more than problem than julie but then again julie has to have these storylines because they have to fill 20 episodes or like i'm adopted and like my I got mom. raped. Yeah, I got raped. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just, yeah. What? Just one bummer after another. <laughs> Can't get yeah, it's it's it is it's it's funny that you say that because when you're talking about Ben, it it kind of something kind of clicked for me a little bit, which is that the, so Ben is the conceit of the show, right? He writes this thing in her yearbook. She decides, fuck it, I'm going to throw my whole life into upheaval in the chance that this boy that I loved from afar has feelings for me. So it feels like it's 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 boiled into the show. It's like baked into the show to the point where the audience doesn't want to see her with anybody else. Really? Like when the show starts to hit the skids a little bit in season two, she cuts her hair, everyone loses their mind, whatever her and Ben are not together through that whole season. They get them back together for season three and the ratings go back up because all people want to see is this lead character, get the thing that the show was sort of built on. So it's kind of like they they kind of painted themselves in a corner a little bit because Ben, when he's by himself, kind of no one gives a shit. And when they're together, it really kind of puts them in a bubble and no one else can interact. It's just, it's very strange. Yeah, I think the hard part is, is that I just think that Ben and Felicity's relationship is so fragile because (laughs) there's just nothing underneath it at all. Like, and and similar (laughs) to, I guess this is, again, this being a, 
sequel to my so-called life in some ways. Yeah. I think that I, I had this theory about my so-called life ruining a generation of women and their relationship with men because <laughs> you watch the final, it gets canceled. You watch the final episode. She goes with Jordan who is illiterate PS. I mean like no shade at Jordan Catalano, but as a boyfriend to someone like Angela Chase, who's really smart and like clearly, it's a hurdle. It's a hurdle. Yeah, her and Brian Krakow, AKA Julie's future rapist. Like he, they have a moment and like, it's a real moment where like, she realizes that he wrote the letter, but it was really his, him writing it. Like he yep. really wrote it about himself. Yep. And you, you see this, she, you see her realizing it in her mind. And it's like the seed for, their ultimate relationship down the line, whenever that could be, they are the real like sort of Sam and Diane of this series, but she goes off with Jordan. It's like, she's, and, and as a kid, mm-hmm. I did not totally track that. Maybe she was going to end up with Brian at that point. But anyway, so she goes off with Jordan and then that's it. And you're just thinking, Oh, well I should end up with the hot guy. That's stupid. And that's it. And it's a perfect relationship. But in reality, you know, season two of my so-called life should have been like, this guy's an idiot. And he's also like maybe irresponsible and like dangerous that, and then that ends and then she's going to end up dating Brian. So it's like, you actually see when you date the dumb, beautiful one that there's no longevity to that relationship. And then there, but so Felicity continuing to date Ben, there's just nothing there. So they have to kind of put, keep putting obstacles in between them. to have them Which is, which up. is totally, I mean, it's so funny that you say that. Cause like season two of Felicity is basically, the top of season two, she, you know, as you know, she, she goes off with him. They spend mm-hmm. the summer together. Uh, they come back. And then at the end of this, of the first episode, she realizes that he kind of sucks and she breaks up with him and she cuts her hair and she changes her whole life. Um, the idea that they do bring them back together as quickly as they do is a bummer to your point because she's not going to end up with Ben. Like, yes, they end up together at the end of, of, of four years of college, but if Ben and Felicity are still together today, I'll eat my hat. Like there's just no <laughs> way that that's possible. Right. <laughs> and then you also say to yourself, Jordan Catalano, like how could they possibly even date for an extended period of time? Like it doesn't even seem possible. So I, I agree with you. It does feel like it's doing a disservice to these characters. And this brings me to my, to my other question that I want to pose to you, which is sort of this, there are a lot of TV shows with female protagonists that feel the necessity to end the show with them going off with somebody. They, they find the, the man that quote unquote completes them and then they go off into the sunset. The two that come to mind are Felicity and Carrie Bradshaw. But it's just unfortunate that a show that even, even JJ and Matt Reese have said that yes, she, she does follow Ben, but it's not really about Ben. It's an excuse for her to find herself to figure out the person she wants to be. And, and they stand by that. And then unfortunately, because of what we expect from television, she still has to end up with a guy. And I just wonder, do you think that a show hopefully soon can just have a woman like be happy and alone at the end of a series? I mean, I think it'll happen. Uh, but I personally feel yeah. it doesn't have to be one or the other. I think a woman doesn't have to be, isn't like worthless if she like wants to be in love. You know what I mean? I wasn't suggesting that. Oh, I know you weren't. I know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be like that. (laughs) I'm just saying like, I'm saying globally, I'm not talking about anything you just said. Yeah, I understand. But I think that it's like, or that who she is is in any way diminished because she wants to love and be loved. Mm -hmm. I think that's the, the, 
I think it's, I think the way that Felicity was written in the later seasons, like I can't even speak to that because it's been years. I have, sure. I remember the time travel thing, but I think only because I watched the final episode, <laughs> sure. similar to Dawson's Creek where it's like, I'm the later seasons I didn't really watch, but I went back for the final episode. Cause I like had to see that of course. Sure. 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 Um, and like team Pacey, you just, just want to throw that out there. <laughs> obviously that's a, that's a obvious. Yeah. Cause um, Dawson's the worst, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But the, but I think that women, I think you can have your cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. And I think part of a man or a woman's life, but I think particularly for a woman is that you want to have it all, meaning you want to be independent. You want to follow your dream, but you also want to be loved and sure. that those things are at cross purposes sometimes. And that you realize if you go for one thing, it you lose the other thing mm-hmm. and that men maybe don't have that same. Yes that same pressures pressures of if I go after my career, I'm never going to meet somebody because they're never going to like see me the way that to be, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, if you're going to choose to be an independent person, who's going to follow your career or do whatever you're going to do, that closes the door to like a huge swath of dudes that don't want somebody like that. And it's not that you like, don't have time to date. It's like the people don't want to date you because of like how you are. And then, but then, and you, so you, maybe when you're young, you think that's a problem that I have. Mm -hmm. And then later you realize, oh no, all those guys just suck. And I have to find somebody who does like somebody that's like this, that likes me. And I I think the thing I would point to that also has someone ending up with someone at the end and I fucking loved it is the end of Mad Men, Peggy, uh, Peggy and Stan. Did I lose you? Right there. Yep. You're right. Okay. You're right. Sorry. But you know, so Peggy, I'm I'm, sorry. So like Peggy, the, uh, um, who is like one of the best written female characters on television, if not the best, if you ask me so good and goes to hell and back so many times. And she giving her a happy romantic ending. I was like, so here for it. I was like really just into it. And like, I, I think, but I don't think that that diminishes any of her career achievements. And I don't think it, to me, it doesn't make her any less of like a strong character to want a a man's love, you know, but it doesn't define her, I guess is sort of the, that's the difference. That's, I mean, that is a perfect example to point to, you know, because of not just the trials and tribulations of Peggy's character, but how independent she is for so much of that show. Um, I mean, obviously she has boyfriends here and there, but um, she's not defined by the man, including including Brian Krakow, including <laughs> Julie's Ramis. To, to bring it she full also, circle, <laughs> this guy has been a part of every single show that I like. Get him on this podcast. I mean, that would be something. I would love to talk to him about being playing the second fiddle to numerous independent women. But I, I, I think that there's just something. That's a, that's a perfect way of looking at it. Which is, I agree with you that that I was so thrilled for Peggy to find someone who loved her in the way that she needed to be loved and vice versa. I mean, her relationship with Stan is a very strange, great relationship. So that's, that is, that's the perfect thing to point to. And I hope there are more things like that, that can find a way of balancing those two things. Cause I don't think that for instance, Carrie Bradshaw or Felicity necessarily get the ending that they deserve. No. So that, that's sort of what I was, what I was uh, pointing at. I also think too, you know, this episode is, it's a bit of a weird one because it's it's sort of um the the JJ Abrams episodes tend to be the ones that 
move the ball down the field the most, which is generally the case. You know, your, your, your showrunner creators tend to write the, the seismic episodes. So this is a pretty, this, this moves the dials in a lot of ways in terms of Felicity and Noel's relationships, but it's also sort of trying to balance the comedy on this show in a way that I think is really interesting. You know, this show stands out for me on the WB at the time because it's really trying to juggle a bunch of different tones. And this isn't to throw shade at any of the other WB shows that were on that I loved, you know, your Dawson's Creek, your Buffy is what have you, but they kind of knew their lane and they always kind of stuck in that lane. Whereas this show kind of tried to do a whole lot of things, sometimes more successfully than others, but I kind of respected it for the swings. And this episode in particular feels that way. You know, it breaks the format in terms of the video and what have you and the, and the, the comedy. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that. So one of the things that I noticed in this last watch was the uh, audio, the, the music cue during the interviews. It's yeah. like a rumba. It's like, <laughs> and they're all like, and they're all like, what do you think of Felicity? And like, and it's just like, I guess to me, that yeah. felt like a, that felt like a network note. 100%. But somebody was like, he's. In these interviews feel so low energy, like put some rumba behind them. You know what I mean? I was like, what is going on? What's going on? It's like somebody's like yeah. on a drum, like, yep. like, you know, it's everything. And it was, uh, um, I thought that was really funny. Something else that occurred to me is that in this episode, Noel goes to a hypnotist. Yeah. And something else that I find as a sort of a, uh, a motif or just mm-hmm. something that happens throughout the show is that poor Noel keeps getting put in these situations that are like kind of like slapstick yes he gets like the beats he takes takes the pills that have the beats in it he's (laughs) getting the thing with like the russian like whatever the vending machine episode yeah yeah he he's getting hypnotized he's there's he's getting caught up in and i believe deeply like this had to have happened and i don't know if you've done an episode where you talk about the casting but I'm sure that Scott Foley read for both Ben and Noel. He was cast Noel, as Noel. He was and, cast as Ben. And then they turned it to Noel. Right. So they have this problem on their hands where both people are so hot that like, and <laughs> yep. Noel, the way that he's written, he's meant to be less hot. You know what yes, I mean? Like yes, he's, a, yes. he's written for that first episode. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be someone who's like, you like realize their hotness like over time. And then you're like, mm-hmm. no, they're hotter in these ways or whatever. But like, Scott Foley is so regular person hot that like they had to yep. be like here you're gonna get like poisoned like they like they had to do all this like goofy stuff yeah yeah so that like yeah. he seems like such a like a goof nerd loser and I'm like this guy looks like a model it's like I know he like loves computers yeah. but like this guy is like so hot like there's it's they really like they had to like really yeah. sweat to like make but him seem nerdy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Wouldn't you also say, though, that because he's hot, it makes the love triangle sustainable. Like part of the problem is from all things that I've read, Noah was written to be ducky. You know what I mean? Like that was the plan, right? He was going to be the guy that, that loved Felicity from afar or got a shot with her, but then she, you know, always really loved Ben. But I think both of them being sort of prototypically hot guys makes the love triangle seem plausible for longer. Cause at a certain point you're going to go like, well, she's not going to end up with ducky. But like you can at least kind of possible, you know, feed that possibility if he looks like Scott Foley. Yeah, I think it's like it's interesting. I, I think you're right, and I'm glad that he's hot because it because I, <laughs> sure, I liked it because I was like sure, Team sure, Noel, you know. Sure, I mean, like, yeah. uh, but I think this goes to a, a larger point in the episode of like why she slept with that other guy. Yeah, and. And also why she goes with Ben at the end of the first season. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a larger thing that I know I could relate to from my own personal experience of like not wanting to like pick somebody who is clearly like husband material, like when mm-hmm. you're 19 years old. Like, and if you end up in that relationship and then you like marry that person and you yeah. like never date anybody else and never explore anything else. Are you self, are you kind of like depriving yourself of personal growth? Yep. And that you don't get to be your own person before you then meet someone to partner with. That that's totally and that, and I and I do feel that. I think that you know Felicity is nothing if not uh, overthinks things. So I, I think that it's great that she's put in a situation where uh, she has to be pulled between two people. It's the perfect person to be pulled between two people. And I, I think that that's part of the reason why it works. Um, I, I, I guess the, so I want to ask your, your feelings about the Photoshop scene, which is one of the most Felicity scenes ever, which is, <laughs> so Felicity needs to use Noel's computer to do Photoshop for a class. And Noel of course has Photoshop because he's a nerd and he does graphic design or whatever. So then you have this, like, I don't even dramatic scene with her doing Photoshop and him trying to show her how to use it. And, like, feeling sparks between Felicity and Noel while using Photoshop might be the most Felicity thing that's ever been on television. Yeah. But then he, like, can't handle it. I don't know. I mean, what did you think of that scene? Well, first of all, I one of the things that struck me about that scene is you get a real close-up good look at his signet ring. The fact that he has a ring... Yeah, I never no never explained what that ring. Never is. explained. I'm not about jewelry on men. No yeah. jewelry on men. Uh, I, I guess no. a signet, yeah, a signet ring is okay. I mean, I guess it's like Dicky Greenleaf. Thomas <laughs> Ripley, he got a ring. Sure, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'll accept it in like rare occasions, but mm-hmm. I, but uh, it just doesn't. It's just never explained, and I'm like, what is the purpose of that ring? I wish yeah. that there was an episode about that. Um, I agree. Yeah, it was pretty lame, but I also like was mostly uh, struck by how like unimpressive the documentary logo was, which yes. then was not changed. Like you see it later in the episode. And I'm like, Oh yeah, black and white, just yeah. like black letters. 
<laughs> Super bold. Thank, thanks, Noel. And I'm like, Noel, how did you get that it- internship in Germany? Like, <laughs> don't deserve it. Like- <laughs> um, so <laughs> I also want to talk about Felicity's um, essay for her for her med class about how love is genetic. <laughs> the fact that the teacher even gives that the time of day is just bonkers. I was like, how would you even like, he should be it's like, impossible. what? <laughs> also, it's like, clearly you're a painter. Like, get the fuck out of this. <laughs> also, I wanted to be like, that, that was something yeah. else that struck me at the writing is yeah. I was like, excuse me, Felicity went to talk to Noel and like missed her class. She's like a straight A student. She's such a yeah. nerd that she, she really cares about school. That conversation could have easily happened two hours later. It's 100%. not an emergency at all. Nope. And I was like, "What do you mean you just you just didn't show up to class? You would yep. have known there that project was assigned." That's like my nitpick of that episode. I was like, "She would never have missed that." I also thought that she like showed up late, right? But yeah. then when she's talking to the teacher, I realized she missed the entire fucking class. <laughs> it wasn't just that she missed like a portion of it; she missed the entire class. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's. Also, I can't think of of McGrath as anyone other than Prince Humperdinck from 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 the Princess Bride. <laughs> Even when he's having an affair with Elena, but, it's like uh, barely addressed. Yeah, I want to ask you wh- what are your what what are your feelings about that? That's the next sort of big storyline, I guess, which is which is bigger in the episode coming after this. But I still sort of want your thoughts as to sort of what exactly like why why are is it just we just need a storyline for elena or do you feel that that's like did that ever happen did students date their teachers like was that a thing i had a friend who dated a ta so it's like she was 18 and he was like 22 but like Mm -hmm. and maybe or maybe 25 or something like it wasn't but like i mean i don't know maybe a usc film school just doesn't have like a great crop of perfect there was no hot professor no in the film school. Everyone was like at least 65. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> sure. Everyone's sure. old. And like, I, I don't, there was definitely no hot professors in the film I school. See. Okay. Uh, okay. So I th- or at all, I can't even like, I'm like straining to think of a hot, hot anyone. But if there, that, if there was one, if do you think one? someone would have dated a teacher? Like, is that, do you think that that's even, I mean, listen, it's TV. I get it. But it's crazy to me to think of a 18 or 19 year old girl dating someone in their, let's be real, late forties, early fifties. Yeah. I mean, that seems, that's, that seems like a little fake. I mean, like it just, right. I think it probably wouldn't, I don't know that it would happen like that. Also this, yeah, the storyline just, it's just like, I feel like Elena does not have enough screen time to really like unpack yes. that choice or like that relationship. So like, it's just hard to get into like what she, yeah. Yeah. why she yeah. did it. Um, but yeah, that seems a little out of character, especially because he just doesn't seem like that attractive. I mean, he's like handsome for like a, an older adult man. Yeah. But I mean, he's not something that like a 19 year old was, but a 19 year old would see someone that old as like a dad. They wouldn't necessarily right. see them as like. Which again, you know, to your your initial point that you made earlier when you referred to the Thanksgiving episode, like there's there's something to be unpacked perhaps in Elena's relationship with her father and why she might be attracted to a man that was significantly older than her. Um, the show doesn't want to go there or chooses not to go there, so you know, it, it's it's just a, it's it's another symptom of to your initial point these supporting characters just not being given enough ballast to you know, motivate 
their storyline sometimes. And it's just sort of like, well, we can't have Lissy in every scene. So we got to cut to someone else's storyline. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of like, I feel like they did it right not to talk about Dawson's Creek. No, yeah. No, please. But but in season three of Dawson's Creek, Mm -hmm. uh, Michelle Williams and uh, the heck is his name? I can't remember. Uh, The guy from, uh, what the heck is his name? His, he's blonde. He, Michael Pitt. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Michael Pitt, basically has a crush on Michelle Williams and that, that storyline ends up being as fun to watch as the like Pacey Dawson, Joey stuff. And I, so I really commend them for giving something for poor Michelle Williams to do. Cause I think even her character felt like she was on the out, like they, that they were very self-aware on that show where she was like, I don't even know. I have any, like, she was like, I'm sick of you guys. Like this is all, (laughs) everything's about you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that, it's it's funny because I'm I'm sort of in my head cycling through all of the kind of ensembles that existed either on the WB or elsewhere when, you know, we were watching television back then. And, you know, Buffy did a great job of making sure that all of the characters were fed in a way that made sense and were fun so that when you did cut to a Willow story or if you did cut to a, Z- a Xander story, there was just something that you liked, right? Whereas this, it's like... Javier's great. I love a, a good Javier storyline. Um, you know, and, and, and it's not to say that I don't like Noel. I mean, when he's dating Ruby, uh, played by Amy Smart in season two, I enjoyed some of that stuff. Like, it's not that it doesn't work when it's not on Felicity. It's just when it's not on Felicity, I think as an audience member, your expectations of what it needs to be are a little higher than what they're willing to give you sometimes. So mm-hmm. that's just sort of what it is. Um, I also feel like considering the documentary component of the show, I'd be remiss to not bring up Cloverfield. It feels like to some degree, I don't know if it, if it, you know, if this was part of it, but if you're looking for ways to make sort of like low budget content and it's perhaps, you know, we were, when Cloverfield came out, it was one of the, one of the pretty early found footage movies, if I, if I remember correctly. So yeah. it does feel like they kind of came from a similar place of how do we make this inexpensive and cool. Yeah, I think I so. think it worked for the most part. I think, and I think we all are nostalgic for like VHS looking, like you know, like mini DV kind of like. Oh my like, god! Yeah, like that 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 look was a moment in time. I, something else I noticed from this episode because it's like closer to the summer. Uh, Felicity's clothes suck when she's not wearing sweaters. Mm-hmm. Like it's just she's. In, I I, <laughs> I I get look. I say that like <laughs> takes one to know one. I basically was wearing the same yeah. clothes she was, but like she is like it's like an opened like short sleeve button down like you know like plaid button down like but like short sleeve like she like works at nasa like it's like 1965 (laughs) dad it's like why is she wearing that i'll say another person whose clothes suck are noel's clothes his fucking two-tone t-shirts or those shirts (laughs) with the oh my god it's like it, it, when you see stuff like that, it takes me back to those gap ads. It takes me oh, yeah. back to of like that, that swinger, that swing phase that we had, which just wasn't kind to anybody. Oh, um, I was, I was really into swing dancing. I loved the movie swingers and I took swing dancing lessons a couple times. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. I was really into it. I was really, and I, I mean, it really, I think it was just a moment in time for me. Cause I also liked ska. So it was like ska <laughs> music mixed with swing. I mean, they're, they are cousins. Um, See, now I have to, I, that just makes me think of, 
so Carrie hosted a, a trivia night the other night that we all did. And the ska cover of um, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, was that something that you liked back in this time? Or? Oh, no, no. I, okay. I mean, I did. Look, I was a discerning ska listener. Okay. And okay. I mean, I think you could, me first in the gimme gimme's were probably more like pop punk, but I never liked them. I think I kind of liked more like ska punk, ska punk, and then I went right into like emo and like regular pop punk. Like, so I, I they were kind of like not there's sort of a bro sector, like a jock, yeah. jock core, they call it like that, that, oh you know, like Penny, Pennywise or like Goldfinger. Okay. Like I never liked any of those bands. Cause it was just kind of like, or even like Blink-182, like went before they became like on the radio for their other radio. Right. Like, I think that was all like, it's kind of like a jock core, like that diff- that's like a different side of things. So I never really liked them. Um, where did uh, where did No Doubt fit in all of this for you out of curiosity? Well, I saw they were popular before I was like young. So like they were popular in like 94. So I was like yeah. in six, sixth grade. So I did like them. And then I think by eighth grade, I was like listening to music that wasn't on the radio that I found like and like got right. into like ska and emo and like pop punk. At that. By that point, I was like too cool for the radio. Like by it's grade. it's so funny because I the other night um, or a couple weeks ago uh, Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton were on the Tonight Show. I was watching with my roommate, and we both started talking about just how bizarre Gwen Stefani is as a pop star. Like mm-hmm. all putting all the sort of cultural appropriation aside that she seems to just do, but it, it's it's just the blending of all of it shouldn't work, and yet somehow it kind of does work for her. I mean. Obviously, it works commercially, but also just creatively, it is interesting. I mean, I, I, I like to note out when when they were sort of having their moment, um, but it also like ska fans fucking hate no doubt. <laughs> like they're not because they're just kind of ripping off a bunch of stuff. I mean, am I not? Is that a correct? Yeah, assessment? I think that there wasn't a fertile <laughs> ground to like have that argument because by the time I cared about ska, because by the time I cared about ska, like no doubt was like irrelevant. Like they were like not even a ska band anymore. They were like fully going into like Gwen Stefani is the lead of this thing. And they're doing something that's sort of like, I'd actually put them in closer to something like red hot chili peppers. Right. Right. They just become their own genre where it's like funky kind of like pop something, but rock, but there's no horns in the band. So it's like, they're not a ska band anymore. So it's like, so there wasn't, I didn't have to have like a strong, like are like everyone liked no doubt except me. It's like right, nobody right. liked no doubt that I was like was in my group. You just sort of like sure. didn't like them, so I didn't. So I don't. I sort of have just like a neutral opinion about them because like by the time I would have those kinds of arguments, like nobody gave a shit about them. Um, so they don't. It's, like- it's really interesting how the '90s and and I'm going to pivot us back to to Felicity in one second uh, because I do think there's a character that actually speaks this quite well. But there's something interesting about how the mashup in the nineties was like a, th- where you could take pieces from all these different genres and actually kind of blend into your own thing. Like no doubt was obviously an example of that. Red Hot Chili Peppers, the Beastie Boys are probably an example of that as well of just sort of like putting all of a whole bunch of things you love into a blender. And set back is another example of that of like, we're just going to mix all of this and it might be just total shit on the other side of it, or it might be brilliant. And yeah. Don't forget about Limp Biscuit or Papa Roach or Incubus. There's a lot of like the other, the bad side of, uh, uh <laughs> of the, uh, I mean, I try the, to, I try to forget about them as much as I can. 
yeah, you're like, what did we do? What did we create this, these matchups? Um, yeah, it's no good. Or like 311. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. There's a, there's a dark side to all of that, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's interesting how, uh, how the nineties and, and I guess the early two thousands to a certain degree was all kind of like th- a very fertile ground for that. Um, the person that I think speaks to all this is Megan's character on Felicity in a lot of ways. Cause she feels like, a whole bunch of things they kind of threw in a, in a kitchen sink and it works. I mean, I think that Amanda Foreman, as I've said on probably every episode up, up until this point, I think is my MVP of the show. I think she must've been a blast to write for, um, you know, seeing her doing her interview in a black veil with a Cruella DeVille <laughs> license plate behind her. It's just, this is great. It's just, it's just really fun stuff. And I, I don't, every time she's on the show, I wish she's on it's more. And thankfully they, they give her more as we, as we get deeper. Yeah, she's good. I like her as sort of the, I mean, she's the closest to like Vicky, like Janine Garofalo, yes, 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 uh, yes, yes. Uh, Reality Bites, where she's like the Greek chorus being like, you guys mm-hmm. are idiots, you know? And I, I think that uh, in a show that's that self-serious, it's nice to have that. It feels like a relief. Yes. Like anytime she's there. But I do agree with you that, like, who is that person in real life? Because it's like, what is she like? Like, she, like, dresses <laughs> like a goth, but she, like, goes to clubs. And I'm like, are you going to, like, goth clubs? Like, and then she, I guess I just, I just, like, want to know more. But it, it definitely feels like a man that's, like, a like in their 30s, like, wrote about someone who's 19. And they're like, I don't know. I see them on the street. This is what they look like. Like they, they've got a barcode tattoo. I don't know what it means. <laughs> like they did. They definitely didn't like consult anybody who was no. like, or they didn't model yeah. model it off of like a real person who like had a certain kind of which, taste. Which I do think is a testament to the show for what it's worth that she does become a three dimensional character when she starts to date Sean. She yeah. becomes a real person. Um, she's a punchline for a bit. Um, I mean, Lord knows we all love Megan's toolbox. And and, and the fact that, which might be the most J.J. Abrams thing ever, literally a box. We have no idea what's in it, and he never tells us, and he has no idea what's in it, and that's just what it is. Uh, but she's a great character. She's super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so I, I want to ask you your thoughts about sort of the, the I guess the Ben storyline in this episode is um, Ben's got a gambling problem tuition is <laughs> sorry i just think it's so funny and the best part is is like it's like like throwing shade at the clippers he's like put put 400 on the clippers and like lynn's like the clippers <laughs> like don't do that and i was like yeah when later he's like i could have told you this was a bad bet but like yeah it's it's ben's got a gambling problem his tuition looks like it's gonna get cut off uh, or if he doesn't pay his tuition he's gonna get kicked out of school i guess is sort of the gist of it yeah. um and uh, it all kind of comes to a head in the next episode when the bookie gets involved and he gets beaten up and it's a whole thing. But this feels like a little bit of a stutter step towards that. Um, but I guess my question to you is more about this show, again, sort of trying to balance a bunch of tones. It doesn't want to get Ben into real criminality because it can't. I'm assuming you can't really do that on the WB in 99. So it's like dipping its toe in these waters, but it doesn't feel particularly satisfying. I don't know what you think about it. Yeah. I think the thing that I really admire about the writing for Ben is that they never, they kept Ben similar to Jordan Catalano. They, they kept Ben authentic about what he was capable of emotionally. And as far as his ability to communicate, like his feelings, (laughs) 
Like he's really. You're talking about him as though he might be, you know, slow. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? No, I mean, he's yeah, just like, yeah. a, like he's like, I a, know what you mean. Yeah. Like a jockey type guy. Uh, and like, <laughs> there is some depth there sort of, but it's like, but yes, yes. I think I admire them not going the Dawson's Creek route yeah. and making everybody so smart that like, they can have these like crazy, like verbose conversations. Like he's like barely saying anything. And so I, that's like when I feel like that character really shines when he's like trying to communicate things emotionally and can't, or he doesn't understand why Felicity is doing certain things, or he doesn't understand like what's going on with his family. And like yeah. this stuff with like, it definitely felt just sort of like this, this storyline's going nowhere and it just, and that it's going to end up, but again, it's not the writer's fault that all the writers on the staff are really good. Obviously I, like I if agree. you look at the people, they're it's all crazy. Yeah. It's just you try trying to make 20 episodes <clears throat> of anything. This I'm just, so it just makes you even happier I, for me personally working on television is like that there's less episodes because oh then God. there's no filler because <laughs> um, the filler episodes are just so bad. Oh, but speaking of the gambling storyline, we have to talk about Lynn. Yes. Lynn is, I was, sorry, I was Dash, say, Dash Mihawk, I believe, or Mihawk or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, so the thing that I remember him most for is his role in uh, Romeo plus Juliet. Like of course. Ben of course. Yeah, yeah. But I, <laughs> I remembered it, but didn't really remember because I was picturing him being in that scene in the beginning where at the gas station with yeah. like Jamie Kennedy. He's not in yeah. that scene, is he? He is, yeah. Oh, he is at the end. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I didn't get to finish watching it before we started because I started watching it on my phone and I was just like laughing at it. I was like, this movie rules. I got to rewatch that. <laughs> it's That's the best. Not, it's not in 99, is no, it? No, I wish it was. It's like 97. I feel like you got to do like a Patreon oh where you just do a bunch of great 90s movies. I would. That- I, you don't have to ask me to do that twice. I mean, obviously I'll do that. But it's funny because I, I literally just rewatched Moulin Rouge last night, um, which it's so funny how like Baz Luhrmann just feels like such a, a 90s, early 2000s artifact a little bit. Like, yeah. I'm not sure that he's. I'm curious to see what this Elvis Presley movie is with Tom Hanks, but I'm also just like. Baz Luhrmann will always just be Romeo and Juliet and, and Moulin Rouge for me in a, in, in, in a weird way. But um, yeah, I mean, Dash also dated Alanis Morissette. So oh. he has, he has that to, to crow about, I guess. Uh, yeah. He was in one of her, one of her music videos. I like him as an actor. I actually think he's, there's a real, like um, he even says it in this episode, which I think is interesting. And I, it felt a little bit like, I wonder if the actor was speaking about himself that about his accent Oh, yeah. And that people don't take him seriously because of the but way he is talks. That his, that, is that his real voice? That's how he talks. That is. How I mean, that's talks. how he talks in Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> I mean, unless it's a bit. But what else know. does he end? I don't know. You could look him up. I'm looking it up, but because uh, <laughs> I want to know, like, what else? He's he, he's. Uh, I like him. I, you know, Lynn is is a character that that could, and I, I actually think this speaks to the show as a whole, which is that a character like that could be played as a throwaway and yet Felicity is able to find as a show is able to find sort of 30 or 40% more depth in those type of characters than most shows choose to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So, I agree. Sorry. I'm just going, just, no, just no, going no, deep on no. Dash's uh, IMDb. <laughs> on his, on his filmography. I could, there's something else from the nineties that he was in that I remember him really clearly being in Oh, white boys. Yeah. I wrote a paper on that. I wrote a paper on that in college. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Um, he's in the thin red line or maybe he's, maybe he's cut out. Yeah. I mean, he's in sleepers. Foxfire. That's Foxfire. a fire. I remember that movie. 
Yeah, that was that was. Something. He had a moment. Yeah, I bet. I bet he looks around. the same. By the way, like I bet that that guy doesn't seem like a guy who ages in a weird way. Like I bet he looks. Yeah, the same. Yeah, I feel like he was like there was a moment where he could maybe have stolen Michael Rappaport's career, but it slipped <laughs> through his fingers. Yeah, that was the yeah, thing I was thinking yeah. was he in higher learning, but it's not him. Higher learning is Michael nope. Rappaport. Yeah, right. So yeah. I was like, that's yeah. what I was thinking. I was like, is he in higher learning? Nope. It's it's how uh, Seth Green stole Jimmy Kennedy's career. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which I continue to be disappointed about. Cause, like I was really? all about Jamie Kennedy and Scream when he got killed in sure. Scream too. I was like, he's great. He's great. Series. He's great. He is. He yeah. is legitimately great. Um, I'm just making sure that there isn't anything else that I wanted to talk about. Really I thought there's something yeah, that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, about yeah. Noel and Felicity's relationship. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really. This is sort of Noel's uh, redemption story in this episode because he is not at all taking responsibility for his actions no. when he goes with like, like he's so pissed about her s- sleeping with Simon Rex. And let's be honest, he should be of all people. Simon really? Rex. You didn't think yeah. Simon Rex with his puka shell necklace as, as an artist was, uh, I, I wish that they would have just had her sleep with Simon Rex. <laughs> like not, not Eli. Like that she just slept with a DJ. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> I actually like, wish they did that too, by the way. Jeez, ends up at a party great. at the MTV studios in Times Square or whatever and like had sex with Simon Rex. <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, so when they, they sleep together <laughs> and then she's like, he's so pissed and he like can't, it's like she did this horrible thing and I'm like, P.S., you broke up with her and then you basically almost had sex with Jennifer Garner, which you never mention. You say, oh my God, you had sex. And they bring it up in this episode. His like RA friend is like, well, they didn't get down. And I'm like, uh, I watched the episode. They were on a bed taking each other's clothes off. That's just as bad. Yeah. They're, and they're, he started it. Yeah. But yeah, I, think it, I, I will say it's. Yeah, go no, go ahead. Please, please. No, you go. No, no, no. Go. I was just going to say that uh, it goes to this larger point of like, she's this sort of perfect virginal thing and innocent maybe is better because the virgin thing, I don't think that that really matters, but the innocence needing him Mm -hmm. for help and whatever, like that is like that kind of toxic masculinity is something that like weirdly because Noel's the nerd character, it's like, "Mm, it's very prescient. Um, Totally. And then, but luckily they, you know, pulled that storyline back really quick. And like in this episode, he says, I didn't love you because you hadn't slept with anyone, you know? I mean, like, or he, like, he kind of parses that out, which I'm like, thank God, because like, that was a, that made yeah, it look they, like shit. They definitely, no, I, I completely agree with you. We did, we did an episode on the fugue, which is the episode where she, where that, all that goes down. And I actually um, had the director on for it as well. Lawrence Trilling came on to talk about it. And oh, cool. it was, it was interesting to hear not just his perspective on it, but how, we talked a little bit about um, Jason Kadams because uh, Lawrence Trilling has also worked with Jason Kadams a lot. And I think what this show does really well and what Jason Kadams is sort of a hallmark of his shows um, is good people doing bad things as opposed to bad people doing bad things. Like this idea of still wanting to root for the characters, even though they're doing things that you might think are bad decisions and I think that Noel falls very heavily into that camp of being a character that you 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 want to believe in him, you want to think that he's doing the right things, but you can also understand the moral gray zone 
that they're putting him in. And I'm not condoning his reaction because I think it was absurd and I was pretty clear about it when we were talking about the episode. But I do think that, to your point, they walk him back, but they also make him sort of perhaps understand why he reacted the way that he did. Like it's it's all very nuanced in a way that is why this show I think is special. I think a lot of shows would have been Yeah, it's either that or the hypnotism worked. <laughs> that actually that's yeah, a twist. A twist yeah. is that he's hypnotized for the rest of the series. <laughs> I mean, what a great thing that could have been in those last five episodes. Oh my They're god. They're like, this is all in Noel's dream. This is all Noel's dream in his I mean, it's unbelievable. Scene. Do you remember, yeah. the, uh, uh, speaking of just like weird episodes, but uh, the Twilight Zone episode, did you remember that one? I did an entirely black and white episode shot and directed by one of the Twilight Zone directors that JJ wrote. It's completely its own animal. It has nothing to do with the series. And at the end, it's revealed that the entire thing took place inside Megan's box. <laughs> Man. It's kind of amazing. It's Look, if great. you're going to have a filler episode, have it be that. Right? Like, exactly. I'd exactly. rather that than Ben not making the track team. Like, <laughs> like that's, yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot of like that, but, but I hear what you're yeah. saying about Noel. I think that the, I think that that makes it real. I yeah. think that the thing that feels more like a fantasy is that he's able to get over those feelings so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, or, or can be so, uh, you know, open about that. I think, I was thinking about that when I was watching it, that I haven't ever been in a relationship where I broke up and got back together with somebody. Right. That, I, I, right. that people don't usually, when you break up, it's like there's a reason and it's hard to overcome that unless you're the kind of person who breaks up and gets back, you know, that you, you yeah, use yeah, that breaking yeah. up as like a the end to every argument you have, you know, like that's, but I, them getting back together, breaking up and getting back together, I think is... I mean, it's well, and it's also finding right. that I mean it's it's a little bit of a dance that they have to do specifically in this episode and then in the in the four or three episodes that, that come after it. But um, you got to get Nolan Felicity back together enough, yeah, so that you can have your cliffhanger. So like they're not back together, back together. Yes, they kiss, and yes, they're sort of kind of back together again, or they kiss in the next episode. But it's it's interesting how they try to find that middle ground a little bit. Um, Here's a question for you. What do you think about the fact that he needs to see the video of her saying she loves him before he goes back to say that he loves her? I think that that's fine based on what they've set up only because this poor guy has like felt from the second they met, like he was the second banana. And even when they were together, he -hmm. never had, he always pined after her. She never pined after him. So like, that and she pined after this other guy that's also hot that's like still in his in their her orbit so i think i i feel like i have a lot of like sympathy for him and like i understand that he needs to feel like special and valued and like number one so i'm not surprised that it took that i think that that's like i felt like empathy in that moment i i I didn't think it was like cheap I, to- I totally agree with that. I think that's the, yeah. I mean, I initially when it happened, I didn't love that it was bending to Noel's will, if you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying. But I think that the, the way you unpack that, I think is the right way to look at it. I mean, I, I think it's, a, I think it's a really fun episode and I, and um, you know, I think that 
I, I, the documentary stuff really works. Um, one other quick little thing, which is a nice little piece of trivia, which is that, um, because of union regulations, Greg Grunberg couldn't actually videotape the stuff himself. So it's actually recorded by a DP and he's over the guy's shoulder talking to everyone so that it seems like he's actually shooting it, which I think is funny. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think it's, I thought it was a really fun episode. I, I, and I'm, I'm so happy that you came out to talk with us about it. I'm so happy too. I love this stuff. It's uh, it, it it's so nostalgic to watch those episodes and like. That's oh, great. I love it. Yeah, so much. it it just feels especially all that's going oh, on. It's like a, it's a simpler <laughs> yes. time to yes, watch yes. it. And like yeah. Lance has seen me like I watched the whole first season again to prepare for today. Oh wow! Um, and I was like, well, just for I was like, oh, this yeah. will be fun yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's like looking at me. He's like, what? Oh my god! The one thing that we have to talk about. Please, today, please. We'll go, yeah, no. I, how how much time have you spent talking about the main title theme? None. What? How is nobody talking about it? It's one of those things where it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. Like I have to go like, I have to like get it as soon as it's like, I'm like, like, and I have to like immediately fast forward. I can't. Why do you hate it so much? I just, it it reminds me a little bit. Maybe it's like, I worked at Starbucks when I was in high school Okay, and they had these like Starbucks CDs. Remember like the Starbucks, like soundtracks that would come out or like the Starbucks CDs. It's like, it's that kind of like, breathy acoustic you know mm-hmm. sort of like music that would play in a starbucks in the 90s which i was familiar maybe that's it it's like just like traumatizing to but i don't even think so because i like that job i had fun at that job but the but but uh, it just is it the I, music or is it the is it the visual component as well the visual component i love it's just that yeah. song yeah. it's like okay. what is even there's not even who said who said you know what the main title should be it should be this woman not singing lyrics <laughs> she's just seeming like this is like basically it's like Sigaros heard this main <laughs> title and they're like we should do a whole band that is just, just gibberish gibberish lyrics <laughs> with shit going on in the background i like it's, it's really funny it, it makes me want to die every time the, the images i think are so cute yeah. i like love it sure it's like i think that that's great but the song it's like the only other thing that can compete with how bad it is is the 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 song that they have in the dawson's creek episodes on, oh god yeah that yeah, is yeah. not the not the yeah. paula not cole the paula cole song i'm yeah. so here for the paula cole song i could listen yes. to that every week yes yes but the, the whatever that song is that they put in as the replacement <laughs> for it is also mm-hmm. like I want to die when I hear it. I can't. Well, I mean, I would, I would argue, I fully agree with you that the Felicity um, theme song, which JJ Abrams wrote is not great. Yeah. I mean, um, writing that's like, that's yeah, a writing, strong writing. word. What? But the, the Dawson's Creek lives and dies by the smash cut to Paula Cole and that credit sequence. Yeah. It's just like, it's, it's one of those theme songs that just makes you go like, I'm ready for this fucking show. And the fact that Hulu and, or wherever the hell it lives right now doesn't have it is just really sad. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think if you have it on, like, I don't think it's, I don't think because she, she was probably so upset that it like kind of eclipsed who she was as an artist. Yeah. 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 I don't even think if you like buy it on iTunes, it doesn't have it. Uh, I agree with you. That is true. But I, <laughs> as someone who's bought Dawson's Creek on iTunes, as someone who's who's who has bought an episode of Dawson's Creek on iTunes to see if it was on there, and then went to Amoeba, wherever Amoeba will be in the future, who knows, uh, and found an old DVD box set of it that has the original music cues. Oh man, I gotta get that. That's the only way you can hear it the right way now. Yeah. Well, the, I guess the pilot and the final episode have the original song, and then nothing else does. Yeah. Having 
having done the research. Like, look, I'm the prime audience and guest for your podcast, as you <laughs> come to realize. I just thought obviously. Uh, yeah. Well, we cannot wait to have you back, um, either for a movie. I'm going to send you the list of movies that we still have to do. Um, okay. So I'd love to have you come back for one of those. And uh, and we have Dawson's Creek and uh, and any number of other shows to talk about. So, all right, I'm but thank you so it. much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank okay. you. This is so fun. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.